So good to see all of you today. Welcome to New Life Church. We are so thankful that you are with us on this day. Today is a day we call Heart for the House. We are concluding our 14-day prayer and fast as a church, and we are excited about this year, 2023. And Heart for the House, if you are fairly new to us, is a day that we utilize to just really celebrate last year and talk about the wonderful things God did in our church, through our church, as well as fix our eyes on what lies ahead and just be determined that we're going to live for Him and we're going we're to make the every moment count in 2023. We're going to make the most of this year that God blesses us with on this earth. Let me invite you to open your Bibles or turn to your smart devices to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, a lot of these verses will also be on the screen. We're going to, planning to round out, I didn't intend for this to be a series, it just turned into one. Uh, Title of the message originally started, and it still is, called The Devil is a Liar. Who knows the devil is a liar, there's no truth in him. He cannot stand anything God wants to see done on earth and in people's lives. Um, and there's a lot of people on this planet reached a milestone marker not long ago in the billions, and it's huge. And so God has a plan, and he has a purpose for our life, and the devil will do anything he can to get people to pull away from that or not look to that for what God has called them to and the life he has for them. And we've been looking at this text in Matthew 4 where Jesus, before his earthly ministry started, uh, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to pray and fast for 40 days. And the devil came and tempted Jesus, and he tempted him. And we're looking at it in the, in the context of three lies that the devil came to lie to Jesus. He lied to him about, tried to lie to him about his relationship with God and who he was with God and does the same with us. He tried to lie to him about the relational aspect of his life with people, the people that God puts in, in his life. And he does that with, tries to do that with you and I. And today we're going to round it out with he tries to lie to us about our purpose. Tries to lie to us about our purpose. Look with me at this text, verse 8 of chapter 4 through 11. It says this. Next, the devil took him, Jesus, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away. And Luke writes, he went away for a more opportune time, giving us the inside view that he will try to come back. And the angels came. And they took care of Jesus. Let's pray over the word. Lord, thank you for your word. Let it leap off the pages to us today and dive into our hearts. Let it sow the right seed into us. And may you seal that so that it can take root in us. And grow and produce what you intended. We give you our time and our attention. 
our devotion at this moment. And I ask you, Lord, to fill my heart and my mouth with your word so that all that is said and done will be for your glory and our good. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone can say, Amen. And amen. So the devil came to him. This is the third lie in a series of lies. And he takes him to the peak of a mountain, to the top, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he says, all of this can be yours if you will just kneel down and worship me. The devil came to try to lie to Jesus about his purpose. And the devil will try to come to you and I, and he comes to people to try to lie to us about our purpose in God, to try to lure us away from or to try to prevent and keep us from pursuing his purpose by throwing all the flash and things in our perception and our view, saying something like, there's a life that is so much better and more fulfilling if only you would not put God center of your life. He can be in your life. He just can't be center. Don't make him the center. Because when he's the center, then that means your life, my life, revolves around him. He can just be someone else. Just something else in your life. Another thing in your life that you go do on Sundays. That you go and be a part of from time to time. See, all this can be yours if you will just not put God at the center of your life. Here's, take a look at this, the Apostle John and what he teaches us about this. It's in the Passion Translation that I've selected. It's 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. It teaches us, he says, hey, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. Don't mix. So for all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance... So none of these things come from the Father, but from the world. Because he says this world and its desires, and all that it has to offer us, they're in the process of passing away. They're not going to last. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Can you say the will of God? Come on, say the will of God. Those who love to do the will of God live forever. And then Paul writes and teaches it in this way in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 out of the Passion. He says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Their response? To surrender ourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart. Experiencing all that delights the heart of God. Why? Because when we live to delight God's heart, 
God will allow life in, in him to delight our heart. And he says, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. He says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. There it is again, God's will. The word there, will of God in those texts, the Greek word, the lemon, it means this. It means the purpose God has in mind for your life. The purpose that God has in mind for your life. Think about it. God who is awesome. God who created everything. God who sent Jesus to this earth for us. His one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. Whoever would put their faith in him. Whoever would follow him. Whoever would yield to him. Whoever would surrender to him. Would not perish but have eternal life. God, who breathes inside of you, who puts breath in our lungs. His purpose, he has a purpose in mind for each and every one of you. The same God who knows how the the very count of hair on our head. And mine subtracting, going down. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every detail about our life. He knows every single human has no exact fingerprint. We might have a few doppelgangers out there. We look alike somebody, or they look like us. But there is no other one like you. There was no other person like you. God fashioned you. God formed you. God created you in your mother's womb, put you on this planet for a reason, for a purpose. He put breath in you for a purpose. And there is no one else like you. And there is no one else like him. And God has a purpose in mind just for you. Just for you. Just for me. And the devil knows that. He knows that. So he will try to lie and do anything he can to get us to not believe what God has us here for. To not buy into the plan of God. To not buy into the will of God, the purpose God has in his mind for each and every one of you. He will come to try to lie to tell us, look, there's a life far greater and more fulfilling if you just wouldn't put Jesus first. He's sucking all the fun out of your life. God is not a fun sucker, I tell you that. Say it slow. God, somebody just got that. (laughs) I'm just trying to keep it real. I'm trying to be real, y'all. God put you here because he loves you. And he has a purpose for you in his mind. Fashioned you, formed you, created you. How do we obtain that? How do we live that? How do we know what that's all about? Paul writes in here, surrender first your full self to God. Surrender your full self to God. Don't just surrender the parts you want to. Man, surrender that part of your life where it hurts to surrender. 
where it stinks to surrender, where it is hard to surrender. But when we surrender and we relinquish control to Him and we let Him love us and lead us and do all what He has created us for, He works it out and we find peace in our release to Him. Surrender your full self to Him. Then he says you'll be transformed inwardly. If you want your life to be changed, if you want your whole life to change, it does not happen because you make it happen. It happens because you let Jesus make it happen. You let the power of the Holy Spirit fill your life and consume you from top to bottom and let him have a complete takeover in your life. And transformation begins to take place. Those habits, those nagging, gnawing habits that we have that we just don't like, that we know are not good for us, that we know, man, I can't keep being this way. How do we change? We let Jesus take over. We let the Holy Spirit begin and move and have transformation in us. And then as that takes place, Paul says, you will have the ability to know and to discern what God's will is, what the purpose God has in mind for your life. And the greatest will of God for each and every one of us, Jesus talks about, recorded in Matthew 22, the greatest commandment, he said, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with every single fiber of your being. Do we do it every day? No. Do I do it every day? No. I let gratification of my flesh get the best of me. Somebody does something against me, what do I want to do? Do something against them. Right? Somebody says something smart to me, what do I want to do? I want to say something smart right back. And sometimes I do. And there's a million things we could fill in the blank there with whatever. But man, What's the best way to follow God, to walk in his will, the purpose he created us for? Surrender. Surrender. It's surrender. Many of us don't see the full change that we hope to see in our life because we don't fully surrender to the fullness of God. And friends, the devil knew that. He knew what Jesus was capable of doing. He knew what his future was like in the sense that he was the son of God. He knew what he, was come, he came here for. And friends, he knows when, when a person meets God and connects with God and loves the Lord and follows the Lord and sets a life after the Lord, man, they begin to walk in their purpose because change happens, transformation takes place. The eyes of our heart begin to open. We begin to discern God's will for us, what plan God has in mind for us. And he knows as that happens and when that happens, man, it's off to the races. It is off to the races. Man, if I didn't meet Jesus when I was 16, there is no telling what I would be caught up doing right now. Absolutely no telling what I would be caught up doing right now. I was crazy. I was dumb. Yeah, that's because you were 16. No, just because I didn't know Jesus. And man, when I encountered his love for my life, and began to experience, he brought healing to my heart. He brought forgiveness to my soul. He began to right all my wrongs. He began to open my eyes that I'm not a mistake. 
that I have value, that I have worth, that I'm on this earth with significance from Christ, that I can be who he created me to be. That I don't have to let generational curses carry on in my lineage. No, through the bloodline of Christ, those things can be broken. I don't have to act a fool up in here, up in here. You don't have to make me lose my mind. Why? Because Jesus takes over. He takes over. He takes over. And it's the best thing. 31 years I've been walking with Christ. He's been walking with me. He's been putting up with me, been faithful with me, been good to me, been kind to me, been merciful to me. I don't deserve all that he gives me. He's blessed me. He's helped me. I've been hurt and I've been close to bankrupt and I have been lost out on a whole lot of things. But still, who walks by my side, Miss Annetta? It's my Savior. It's my Jesus. It's him who is faithful to me. Even when I have been faithless to him, he has been faithful to me. When I get full of myself, Jesus comes and knocks me down a few notches. And when I don't think I should be up here, Jesus reminds me and says, don't forget I'm the one who called you. I'm the one who saved you. I'm the one who thought of you when nobody else would think anything of you. And I have put you where you need to be. Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him, it's the confidence of my calling that helps me to overcome shame and regret. Knowing that, man, even in my worst days and worst moments, it's the calling of God on my life that keeps me on the right track. And it's the calling of God to you, to the purpose he has in mind for you, that will put you there and keep you there. There, hey, guess what? We, as good as we can be at trying to keep our life on track, God is so much better at it than us. We try hard. We spin our wheels. We cr- dot our I's and cross our T's and do our C's and do our P's and do all the other things that we need to do in between. But it's him who helps me. When I'm having a crazy whack day, guess who calms my weary heart down? The peace, the prince of peace. Jesus changes lives changes lives. And we're going to talk about some of those lives. But what did Jesus say? I got to move on to the next part of this text. Jesus said, hey, get out of here, Satan. Or as KB likes to say, not today, Satan. Not today. Anybody ever say that? Maybe not quite that way, but not today. Jesus said it first. Not today. Not today. You must worship and serve the Lord only he says look no matter what my purpose in god and from god is greater than anything this world has to offer me that i'm not going to throw away my purpose in god for anything not today not today satan not today i get tried i get tempted but not today I'm not going to throw away my purpose for which God has in mind for my life. I will not be lured away. I will not be enticed away. I will not be tempted to turn away. No, I'm going to keep going the way in the direction God has put my life in. He has a purpose in mind for me. Jesus' purpose 
John's gospel says Jesus came to give eternal life. Matthew's gospel said Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Peter was quoted in Acts 10 by Luke saying that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to set free those who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus came to save. Check this out. Luke 4. Going to pick up in verse 18. Jesus had just come out. This is the ending of this same scenario in the, in the wilderness, this 40-day time of prayer and fast. Jesus comes out. He ends that. The devil left him. The angels take, came to take care of him. And then it said that Jesus went back filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, walked into the synagogue, walked into the church, picked up the scroll of Isaiah that was handed to him. And this is what he said his purpose was. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, blinds, the, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus walks up in front of that church, in front of that synagogue, in front of all the religious people and everyone who came in that day, and he said, this is why I'm here, because the Spirit of God is on me, has anointed me, and I'm about to change people's lives. I'm about to set people free. I'm about to save the one you didn't think could be saved. I'm about to set free the one who didn't think there could ever be freedom. I'm about to turn lives around. I'm about to flip tables, and I'm about to let everybody know Jesus the Messiah has come, and I'm not scared to tell anybody. I'm not scared to do my thing. Jesus showed up in that, in that church that day and handed the scroll of Isaiah, read it, handed it back, and here's what happened. It said, the eyes of everybody looked at him. What's he doing? In our daytime, it would be the mic drop. Boom. He said, this is what I came for. You see, I believe that Jesus could walk in there with such confidence, with such humble audacity, and with such clarity that the scroll that was picked for him to read was that because he did not buy into the lie in the wilderness through the temptation of the enemy. He was not lured away. He was not enticed. He was not drawn away. He kept his face facing forward to that which God had called him. And I believe that's what gives you and I greater faith, greater confidence, and a greater humble audacity to be bold and courageous and faithful and obedient with what God has called us to is when we don't allow the enemy to pull us away. In fact, in part of the, the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, he, pray, he says, pray this. And part of that prayer is, lead me not into temptation, O Father, but deliver me, rescue me from the evil one. He could pray that because he lived that. And he teaches us to pray that because he wants us to live that. And if he wants us to live that, then he gives us the ability to do that. You and I have it inside of us. If you're a believer in the Lord, you have the goodness of God and all the things pertaining to life, pertaining to godliness, pertaining to righteousness, pertaining to everything God wants to see happen in your life because Jesus put it there. It's in you. You need to believe that. You need to begin to believe Jesus on the inside of you. You need to begin to trust Jesus in you. 
the hope of glory. You need to believe Jesus in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Believe greatness is inside of you. Greatness is on the inside of you. You're not great because you're great. You're great because Jesus is great in you and to you and through you. In Jesus' purpose, the enemy tried to come to lie to him and to keep him from being successful in that purpose. Church, new life has a purpose. If you're a part of this church, we have a purpose together to make Jesus the center of our life, of our church, and of our community. Through the gathering, through the gospel, through the Great Commission, we aim to make Jesus the center of everything. And don't you know the enemy does not like that? The devil will do anything he can to disrupt that, to try to throw that off, to try to throw us off our course. You name it, he tries all sorts of things. He's tried it before in the history of our church to keep us from succeeding, to keep us from fulfilling what God put us here for. And he, he won't stop, but I know the one who's greater than he, and that is Christ Jesus, who is center in this church. Our vision is simple this year, church, for 2023. You ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. You ready to write it down? Our vision this year to make Jesus the center of our life is this. It's connection. Don't let the simplicity of the word begin to make your brain malfunction. Connection. Connecting our life with God. Connecting our life with our church and connecting our life with our community. That it has not stopped. The Great Commission has not ceased. As long as we're here before Jesus returns, we're still called to work at and aim at fulfilling the Great Commission. But we have to connect. We have to connect. Connecting with God, connecting with each other, and connecting with our community. If we will... Pastor and author Mark Batterson says, if we will do the small things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're small things. And if your brain works kind of like mine sometimes, I like to overcomplicate small things. I like to exhaust every possible scenario with a situation. But what I'm learning is it breeds greater frustration for me and for those around me. And so don't let the simplicity of the simple complicate your life. Connection. Make Sunday in person. I'm talking to you online too. Make Sunday in person. I see you at Kroger. Well, not really, because I hardly go there. But somebody told me they saw you the other day. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm meddling. I'm meddling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But make Sunday in person. Church. And serving. A priority this year. Make Wednesday nights, the upcoming Wednesday nights, we'll talk about those, a priority for your family.
as much as you can. Make next-gen ministries a priority for your family, your children. And some new things we're going to be bringing to the table this year. Make men and women gatherings, when they happen, a priority. Make church-wide fellowships a priority. We're going to be introducing more of those this year. All of us able to come together. We want to increase our local outreach presence. And you're going to hear more about that in, over the year. Boots on the ground, people outside the church, walls, part of serving in different ways in our community. I know it's not a real complicated vision. But if we will do the simple, small things like they're big things, if we will yield our life to that, we will see God do big things like they are small things. What does that mean? What does, what, what does it all kind of come down to? Well, I get to share with you as I wrap up this part, the financial report for 2022, and I get to show you 2023. By the way, these reports are board approved. Our board is Pastor Prentice. Thank you, sir. Mr. Thomas Varghese. Appreciate you. Brandon Bailey, thank you. Mr. James Pittman, nod to you, sir, and myself. Thankful for these folks. Over the years, if you're familiar with our church, you know that we have had, we, you, we had some pretty financial crisis moments. <laughs> some of you were um, crucial in helping navigate us through that, part of a finance committee that we had. And you helped steer us, guide us, help make some hard, big choices, decisions along the way to get us to where we are now, completely, 100% debt-free as a church ministry. Praise God. So thankful for that. And I like to just attribute all of that to this, a gracious God who doesn't give up on us, a giving congregation. Your generosity and your faithfulness matters. And it's going to good things and good stewardship, good stewardship. I'm thankful for the team of people around us that help navigate that. Now, let me just share with you slide one, which is our 2022 budget and uh, actuals. Our budget is basically, it breaks down into three big categories, and it details itself out. But it's operations, which comprises of ministry, facility, and personnel, and missions and outreach, and savings. For 2022, for 2022, we had we had budgeted in operations 89 percent. By the end of the year, we had expensed out 78 percent, which is good. Of all all monies that came in, our missions and outreach we had budgeted nine percent. Because of extreme generosity in this church, we were able to give out 15.9%. 16% went out to missions and outreach. We'll share those here in a second. In savings, we had budgeted 2%. We were actually able to save a little more than that at 5.2%. So that's roughly the numbers for 2022 right in there. 
for 2023, we have, we're going to show you a budget, and then we're going to show you what we anticipate or what we project to see happen because monies that are not accounted for in all our different ways of offering and giving, is not a, some of those are not budgeted numbers. They are whatever comes in, and then it goes right out. So it, it, it causes numbers to fluctuate to a degree. In operations, we have currently budgeted 91.6%. We are projecting by the end of the year to be at 85%. Uh, some of that has some factors of inflation and cost of living expenses in, in a part of that. Missions and outreach, we have budget 8.1. We're projecting at 10. Savings, we have 0.3, but we're projecting to end at 5. The last two years, 2021 and 2022, we have actually operated at around an 80, 10, uh, or 80, 15, and 5, or 85, 10, and 5. Somewhere right in there, numbers is kind of where we have been uh, where we have been landing at, at year's end the last two years, and that's where we are projecting to land again. We feel like that's a safe place to operate at around 80, 85% in operations, around that 10 to 15 mark in outreach, and around that 5% in the savings category. Uh, there, are, there are lots of things that we, have, uh, that we take into consideration for our future. Um, for instance, we have not forgotten that we still believe God has our own place for this church. Uh, and so we are constantly praying and constantly looking and constantly keeping our eyes open for where God might have us. And so I've, I've said this before in many different occasions that I would continue to ask you to pray that when, it, when the time is right, we would know it and God would show it and we could, be, we could be in wherever he has it, okay? But in the meantime, we're praying and, and making our attitudes and our mindsets to be good, to be okay with where we are, but at the same time to have faith that God is still a promise keeper of his word, that he said he would give us for a, a, good, a good location and good facilities, prime, I think is the word it was used, prime location and prime facilities for New Life Church. So, I'm just asking you, don't forget what God has spoken to us, and don't forget what God has spoken to you. But let's believe what God has said will come to pass, and that's where we're keeping our hearts open and our stewardship practices in, in check to move in that direction, all right? So I share numbers to say this. Pastor Lindsay's going to come and share some 2022 ministry highlights. I sum it up with this statement. These numbers, these budgeted numbers and projected numbers, that's what it all kind of means right here. It's about helping people from this multi-generational church to the streets of Jackson, to our neighboring communities, to the villages of South Africa, to the northern tips of India with church plants, all the way around back to the American, Native American churches on the Apache and Navajo Indian Reservation, all the way back here at home. It's about helping people to make Jesus the center of their life. That's what we aim to do. That's what we want to do, and together we can continue to be faithful in the purpose God has in mind for our church and for our lives. Pastor Lindsay's going to put some nuts and bolts to it and some pictures to it today. Let's take a look. 
All right, some highlights from this year, just in-house things. We were able to baptize nine people. We added new members to our church. Our Wednesday nights at NLC have grown substantially. Um, You know, we have, at least from the kids' perspectives, you're not here on Wednesday nights. Adults, you guys have a great time in your Bible study. But our Wednesday nights for our kids and our youth, um, I would say that there's 20 to 30% of the kids who come are not in our church. They come because they have connected with someone in some kind of way. Some of them are completely unchurched other than coming here on Wednesday nights. And so that is growing. We feed those kids. They eat a lot. So that's where a big chunk of your of our ministry budget is going. But that is the things that you are helping to support. Also, our next-gen camps this past year were phenomenal. We had a great time. Those are growing and expanding this year. I'm not telling y'all where I'm taking the youth this year because all of y'all will try to sign up to be my youth leaders, and I'm not taking you. Um, but it's going to be fun and not in Jackson. So those next-gen camps that you sewed, uh, sewed into those years, those were huge highlights of things that were happening within our church house. Okay, some other things. Next one that's hap- we talk about. We were able to do a lot this year for disaster relief. Unfortunately, disasters happen, and we were able to partner with organizations like Samaritan's Purse to be able to send funds directly to areas that needed it and targeted and reached out to those areas. Our good friends, the Turners, who you know, they come through at least once a year, and it's always great to see them. His wife, Natasha, is from the Ukraine, and through connections with them, we were able to sow resources directly into food distribution and supplies that needed to get correctly to churches that were on the ground in Ukraine doing the work there, and we were able to do that. Reach India missions. We're hoping that Pastor Cuckoo Matthew will be able to come again soon, but let me tell you something. This man is doing incredible things. They are planting churches all over the place in northern India. It is not without danger and um, a little bit of pressure and persecution that happens in that area. But let me tell you, this man is on fire, and he is reaching and planting churches. They are also getting Bibles that are being translated, and people are receiving the word of God who have never, ever heard it never seen it. We've got, we cannot forget there are still people in this world today who have never seen or heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Pastor Cuckoo and the people that he works with in India are making that happen. And so we've been able to partner with them this year. Also, Outpost of Freedom works with Native American pastors. We've been able to sow into their ministry that works to develop and encourage these pastors, as well as to provide assistance for children's ministry curriculum for them because they are going into some areas and we're helping able to help equip these people to go into their own areas and build their own churches and lead their people right there where they are through Outpost of Freedom. And now to my favorite one, Christmas blessing offering. Y'all, we had $11,000 come in to Christmas blessing. And I want y'all to know it says 11000 I did spend $11,064 um, because I always go over when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I can't explain to you how every week, every Sunday when I would we send out to James a message, hey, what's the update on where we're at so we know kind of how we're distributing stuff. And the way that his mind was blown and all of us were just blown away. The biggest year we've ever had with Christmas blessing offering has been around $5,000. 
and this year to have $11,000 come in. Let me tell you, this is the list of all the things we did. We were able to bless people within New Life Church's family with over $5,000 went back in to our church family. Pastor Prentice summed this up so well for me this year when he was talking about how we were able to sow so much back into our own family and people within our own church who were in need. Is that, And I think this is true of every year. But in this year, there were a lot of people who were blessed. God financially blessed them abundantly. Some of them even received blessing in, in ways that were kind of unexpected and unplanned. And God just gave them a financial blessing. And there were people here this year who experienced some of the most difficult times that they've ever experienced. And some of the most unexpected um, hardships and situations that arose that they just did not know what to do. And to be able to take what God has blessed some with and then turn around and help other people. Y'all, that is what the Acts 2 church was about. They shared of what they have need. They gave to each other. And I can't explain to you... um, the phone calls, the text messages, um, the, the FaceTime of a mother in our church just in tears because she opened that card in her car and then had to pull over because she wasn't expecting to see what was inside of it and how it met the need that she had right there in that moment that she did not know how she would be able to meet. And she met that need because you, somebody here, God blessed you and you made the decision to sow into somebody else's life. That line of being able to bless and care for our own church will always be my favorite highlight and the greatest blessing that we have as a church to be able to care for the people that God has placed in our hand and in our family. But on top of that, we were able to sew into Scarlet Rope Project. If you're not familiar with Scarlet Rope Project here in Jackson, they're opening a new home that is literally doors are about to be opened right now for that. We were able to sew into them. We were able to sew into First Love South Africa. After COVID restrictions, that, that country has suffered a lot under COVID restrictions. They are finally at... We're back able this year to have their Christmas blessing that they do for the kids there, as well as get back to their feeding programs for their preschool ministries. They feed thousands of kids every single day, and we were able to sow into them. We were able to bless the Dream Center this year, which is also getting ready to open a building and building here in Jackson for the women and children of Jackson. We were able to do a blessing for family Christian school teachers. If you knew what they paid, you got paid, you would really appreciate that. Um, we were able to do partner with our veterans. Miss Marjorie McClanahan is not here today, but Miss Marjorie does a great work with the veterans in our community, and she partners with us to be able to give gifts and presents and just small reminders to these men who are in some of them and really suffering the most in our veterans community to let them know that they are loved and they are seen, and we were able to do that this year. We were able to do a special additional blessing to Outpost of Freedom, and then we were able to financially blessed families within our community that because of you all, we became aware of needs that they had. And so then we were able to bless them. People who are not a part of our church, who are not a part of any church in some situations, who this year we were able to say here is something to help meet the need that you have. What an incredible blessing. Incredible. And y'all, that's you. And I I want y'all to look around. That's not a lot of you. 
I mean, some of the people sitting in here, you, y'all are too young for jobs. You don't even have jobs yet. That's you all. This little church in Jackson, Tennessee, our community stretches. We have members who live as far as Humboldt and as far that way as Pinson. That's a 40-mile difference. This tiny little church touches every corner of Madison County, from Beach Bluff all the way around. Every corner of Jackson, Tennessee, Madison County, Gibson County is touched by somebody at New Life Church. This little hidden gem in the middle of Denmark, in the middle of a cornfield, way out here in the country, Somewhere in Jackson, somebody is encountering somebody at New Life Church, and you guys have been able to make this happen this year. So listen, be excited. That is thousands of people, thousands of people from right here all the way, as Pastor Jeremy said, to India, to South Africa, and you've been able to make that happen. So can we just take a minute and celebrate what God did in 2022 when lots of places weren't even able to do anything, when the world was saying the money was too short, that there was not in short supply, that things were not able to happen. I'm telling you, there is no reason in the earthly world that a tiny church in Jackson, Tennessee should have been able to end the year in a positive note and have been able to come up with $11,000 on top of all of the other giving that came through and seen that much blessing. In the world's economy, that didn't happen. There's no way for it to happen. But in God's economy, we were able to do it. So can y'all give God a round of applause today? Amen. Uh, Awesome in this place. Thank you. Lindsay, such a good job. Come on, let's honor the Lord one more time. Thank him for that. I'll tell you, if you were with us uh, 